Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Good morning. I'm so excited to be here. I just want to say thank you for all of your texts and I just, it is so wonderful to be a part of such a loving family and I would not want to be anywhere else other than here today. So uh, welcome back from Thanksgiving. Um, I'm sure your tummies are still full. I know mine is. I'm excited to kick off this week. It's the first week of Advent. I love Advent because it has a stop and pause and refocus um, again, our, our anticipation of the coming of Jesus and what he's done for us. And so I love that today I get to kick off the topic of hope. And I think whenever we stop and we focus on the one that is coming and the one that has come, I, I've looked, I think about my own kids' milestones. I think about birthdays and graduations. And it's just a time that we stop and we pay attention and we focus on that one person. When it's birthdays, we stop and we celebrate that one. And so today, I love that we're kicking off this season, this holiday season, and we're stopping and we're saying, I am going to focus on the one, and that is Jesus. And so um, this morning, as we kick off the topic of hope, I just want to say, I think most of us uh, think about hope. And when we say hope, we use it oftentimes in the context um, of wishful thinking. At church, we can say, God is the hope. He is the hope of glory. But then when we go home and we say, whew, I hope I can get up on time. <laughs> hope I can make it to work at, on time tomorrow. I hope I pass that midterm. I hope that um, I don't gain weight over Thanksgiving and Christmas. <laughs> I wish I was taller. I think we can substitute the hope for really wish. I wish that I lived closer to my family. I wished that I had a husband, I had a wife. I wished that Jesus would come back. That doesn't sound right. We say, I hope, I have hope that Jesus is returning. But yet somehow, whenever we transition outside of church and we walk out these doors and we walk back into our house, we flip that word around from this uh, beautiful anticipation of what's coming to this lackadaisical word of wish. And so I want us today to say, God, we don't have to wish that Jesus is coming back. We don't have to wish that his hope will sustain us. We have hope. Because the word hope um, in 2 Corinthians 3, uh, verse 12, it says, therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Hope this morning, hope in the Greek in that, in that verse means it's the one. Hope is God and God alone. Hope is an anticipation. It's a welcoming of his coming. It does not say that it is wishful thinking. It does not say when we use that word so lightly at home, but it says, no, hope. Hope is the anticipation of something that is certain. Hope is something that Jesus has paid the price for, that God has settled in the heavenlies. That's what hope is. Hope is anticipation of what is certain. It, they mentioned earlier Romans 15, 13, and I love 
um, that verse. In the Passion Translation, it says, now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in Him. I say today that hope comes alive when we trust in God. I think oftentimes whenever I'm praying with someone or ministering with someone and we're bringing our hurts and our pains and we're bringing who we are to the foot of the cross to, to what Jesus did on the cross and he paid for all of that, uh, we come and we, we exchange with him. We exchange our pain for his purpose. And so it's not something that I have to, um, it's not a law that I have to do that if I don't exchange, but it's something that we're saying, we're holding on to something that God is saying, please let go of that so I can give you something even better in return. And today I think with hope, hope is an exchange. It's, just, it's an exchange of worry for boldness. It's an exchange of fear for peace. It's an exchange of depression for joy. Because Romans says that when you have hope in me, when you put your trust in me, when you put your faith in me, the outcome of that is peace and joy. So it's an exchange. He's saying, I am the God of hope. I am the one that is predictable. I am the one that is certain. I am. But if you'll bring to me your worry and if you'll exchange the depression, and if you'll give it to me, because I've already paid for it, it's already done deal. There's nothing that you have to do to make this exchange happen. All I need for you is just to trust me. All I need for you is just to believe in me. That's what the word says. Believe in me, make the exchange. I, I, the Lord says, I haven't come to give you wishful thinking. I've come to give you something that has been settled. Hope is not a wish, it is a certain. So I think, um, or when, I wanna tell you guys a little story about me. I know a lot of you see me, but you probably don't really know me. And so I wanted to give you a little picture into my life and how we got here today. Um, probably about four years ago, my husband and I were praying and believing that God were, was going to move us from the city and location that we were in and from a job that we were in. This had been something that had been going on for years. We had been praying in this direction for years. We had felt like there was a shift that was coming and we were believing in God and we were doing all that we could do, job applications and all of that kind of stuff. And we were hoping, we were wishing for something different. And so about four years ago, we finally got the job. The job came. And my husband, after several applications, we got a phone call from, a, from Chicago, a, a job in Chicago. And they said, hey, we wanna offer you a job. And we were ecstatic, we were over the moon. It was like, God has finally answered our prayers. And I mean, here we go. So we put the house up on the market. We were in several volunteer ministries and we went and we told our pastor there that we had gotten a job change and we were moving to a different state. And we began to make the process and we began to prepare for a transition. And along that preparation, so we put our house on the market. Um, I went to Chicago in the winter to look for housing. <laughs> Who know, I mean, if, if you go to Chicago in the winter and you still wanna stick, can I get an amen? You know that... Yeah, you're either crazy or you're called. I don't know which one. So, um, so we went, we looked at, uh, at, at schools for our kids and, and we were excited. 
We were like, God is moving. He is faithful. And so we, it was the morning that we, I was actually going to meet with a ministry that I was leading and it was gonna kind of be the celebration, the passing of the torch to a new ministry leader and a celebration that God is faithful and we're moving. So that morning, really early, um, John, my husband, got a phone call and woke us up straight out of a, sleep, out of a dead sleep. So we sat up and I, you, you know those phone calls or those moments where you know this isn't good. And I heard the way he answered the phone and he said, hello. And the person on the other end was telling him that the job that we were so certain fell through. Everything that we had done in preparation for something was over. And I remember listening to John talk on the phone and, and this sick pit in my stomach. And and I remember questioning God, like what, and panic set in. And I'm thinking about, I've got this gathering tonight and what am I gonna tell people and what is happening? And, and, and I felt angry. I felt confused. I, I was angry at God, let's just be honest. For that moment in my bed, as I'm listening to what I felt like was my promise falling apart, I was really angry. And I remember asking God the questions of, of why, and I remember feeling lost and hopeless. But I think back to that moment, and I think I had been praying for God to move, and what I had hoped for did not come in the package that I expected. What I was had to put my trust in God for. What I'd, I'd heard, we'd heard as a family his call for us to transition and I'd put, I'd put everything in that basket and then for it to fall apart, I was saying, God, I, I put my hope in you and I, I trust you, but now you've, you've fallen down on our deal. That's the way that it felt like. And I think about this, Un, this hope that comes in an unexpected package. And I think about when the Messiah came. I think about whenever he came and how the, the Israelites were praying and, and prophecies were given out that, that the Messiah is coming. He's coming, he's coming. And everyone is getting ready and they're, they're making things and they're getting gifts ready. And, and little did they know that the Messiah was gonna be born in a manger in the middle of the night far away, with no crowd around, with no celebration in that moment. In that moment, the Messiah came in an unexpected package of hope. I think back to, the, to 2 Corinthians 3, I'd mentioned that verse earlier, but in 2 Corinthians 3, Paul was tr coming to the Corinthians and he was, t he was trying to get them to understand something. And I think it's really good for us. He was trying to get them to understand, to make a shift from um, the law, the old covenant, into trusting and believing who Jesus was and, and into the new covenant. And he came and he was telling them, you know, the, the law, the written word, it brings death. 
not physical death, but emotional death. It stifles you. But that original written law was good. He was saying it was good. I'm not saying it was bad, but now God is giving us a new way of living. So he's saying, I want you to shift your perspective to this new way of living. And and I think what's interesting, Steve and I were talking um, about this earlier this week, and he's pointed out something that I never thought about. And he said, you have to understand that the Corinthians were living in a time where they had two options. That this living by the old way and the law and the written law and sacrificial um, way to come to, to reconcile sins, like that was what they were living in. I think a lot of times when we read the word, we think, well, I mean, that was just an easy choice and they just should have made the right choice. But they were actually living in circumstances that were not easy. And Paul comes along and says, you gotta change the way you think. Oh, it's, you know, this way is better. The spirit of God gives life. The law is hopelessness. The life is full of, uh, the spirit of life is full of hope. And so he's like trying to get them to understand to make this shift. And I can't imagine being in their shoes. I imagine them having a routine based around the law. I think probably if it was me, I'd be like, well, I need to mark it on my calendar that every Saturday I'm gonna need to go find a lamb because I'm pretty sure I messed that up on Friday. Somehow broke the law, didn't love someone right or something. I'm sure they had this routine based around the law and what it looked like. But God is saying, I've come on the scene and I've made a whole new way. But I, I look back to even that morning in Chicago or with, with the job in Chicago and I think, you know, it sound, that, that Bible verse translates to my real life by saying in that moment, I was stuck in the middle of a choice. I was stuck in the middle of saying, God, am I gonna live my old way or am I gonna step into a new way? And, I, and whenever Paul is talking to the Corinthians, the, the thing that he's saying to them is the old covenant, the old way puts a veil over your face. And I think a lot of times that veil for us is um, maybe depression, I think sometimes that veil that we put over our face that hinders us from seeing really the truth of who God is sometimes is old religious ways. I think sometimes it might look like maybe trying to live by the letter of the law instead of living by love. Because when we live by the letter of the law, for some crazy reason, we find comfort in knowing there's a checklist. And for us to shift our thinking away from God saying, there's no checklist, I'm the only checklist. I'm the only box in that checklist. And all I need for you to, is to check me. And so this veil that covered, covers our face oftentimes can look like so many different things. But I remember that morning um, laying in, the, in bed and I remember putting um, like a veil over my face and it was grief, and it was confusion. I began to ask myself, what did I do wrong? I think sometimes when we live with a veil over our face, it's, God, did I not pray right? Did I not um, do the, the steps right? Do you not love me? And for me, in that moment, I was trying, I was trying to reconcile my pain with my veil. Because for me, it was easier in that moment of sorrow and grief to say, I'm gonna, 
I've been living, I've been living with God, you are my only checkbox. But in that moment of pain and crisis, it was so much easier for me to reach over, take the veil out that I've kept kind of in the back just in case and put it over my head to try to reconcile the pain that I was feeling. Because when we experience pain here on earth, but we partner it with the kingdom, sometimes it doesn't make sense. And sometimes we can't make sense of it. But God says, if you'll keep me as your only checkbox, I'm the one that will remove the veil. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians 3. We cannot remove the veil. It is through Christ and Christ alone. And I think in that moment for me, um, I had a choice to make. Was I going to let Jesus take the veil off my face? Was I going to let him come in and bring me hope? See, I think I thought that I was living and I had a full understanding of what hope was. But in that moment, God was saying, I'm teaching you what hope actually looks like. I'm using these circumstances. I didn't cause them, but I'm gonna use them to teach you what hope actually looks like. And I think for us, we... Oftentimes, when we get faced with that choice, my question to you is, do you say yes to Christ or do you say yes to your old veil? I, I remember Joel's message last week and he was talking about freedom and he said, freedom really restores us back to choices. And I think about that and I think um, in that moment, when I had a choice to make, God had set me free from so many things before and he was the love of my life and and I was putting him first. And I think back, I had a choice to make, but in that moment, I'm gonna say I didn't make the right choice. It took some time. I remember, do you remember, you know that song we sing it here, he's a good, good father? Okay, we all love that song, right? Confessions. I used to not like that song. It drove me crazy for whatever reason. I mean, like I would hear it come on and I was like, "Eh." Uh, I don't know, it was repetitive. I don't know, it drove me crazy. And so I remember that morning whenever uh, we got the phone call and we were sitting in bed and God played that song in my head. You're a good, good father, it's who you are, it's who you are. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is like a practical joke. Not only are you like taking away what I thought was gonna be my blessing, now you're giving me an anthem that drives me crazy. And he was like, yes, I'm gonna teach you what hope actually looks like. Because hope, remember, hope is God and God alone. Hope is singular, Hope is the anticipation of welcoming what is certain. And if I have hope, then I know that when that song plays, you're a good, good father, which by the way, now I love it. Um, but when it plays, uh, you're a good, good father, I know that when I, when I hear those words, you are a good, good father, that good, good father represents hope. So for me and my circumstances, and, and as we're sitting there, I was embarrassed. Um, I was 
fearful? What, are, what is man gonna say? Are they gonna say, oh, sure, you're this like person that leads this ministry and you can't even get it right? Like you can't even, did you not hear God? Did you not know this was gonna happen? Like you've got your house up on the market, you live in a small town, how embarrassing. And so, but whenever I hear that anthem, you're a good, good father, when I know God is saying, I'm gonna give you a new perspective of hope, he's saying, I am going to give you something that is certain. So in the middle of your moment of uncertainty, I am your father and I am hope, I am am hope and I am certain. So in that moment, he was saying, Natalie, you think that I've left you. You think that I have removed myself from you, but that is so far from the truth. I am so close to you and I am so certain of your future. I am so certain of who I've called you to be. I'm so certain of where I know your kids need to land. I am so certain that I have the job for you and your family and your husband. Trust and have hope in me. And so when I was laying there in bed, um, I had to eventually get out of bed and it was a long day. Um, I would have just preferred to stay in bed, honestly. Um, But I remember the process of walking out of hopelessness and into hope. And I wish that I could tell you that it was a quick process. But for me, you know what? The journey was worth it. Because for me, I had to walk through some things in my own life to let God come in and reveal himself and what hope actually looked like. Because when I stay in a place of wishful thinking, I wish, whew, I wish that I could get that job. I wish, and we, we say hope, but really we're saying wish. I hope, I wish that my life will turn out. When I stay in that place, I'm closing off parts of my heart that God is saying, I wanna come in and make you so certain. Because when you're so certain in who I've called you to be, nothing else matters. So that day passed and I wish that I could say it was just, glorious. It wasn't. Um, and it was really hard. And it was one of those, I think for, for me, you know how we, you've heard that saying before, sometimes you have to get to the bottom before you'll quit trying. And uh, because my efforts don't make a hill of beans compared to what God wants to do. And so it was one of those moments for me that I thought, God, you know, whatever you want me to do from here, I'll do. Because I have nothing left. I, I don't have anything to do anymore because sometimes we get so wrapped up in what we do that we stay in a place of wishful thinking instead of giving God space and his hope and his certainty to come in our life. And so I said, God, I, I have nothing. It's all yours, whatever. So that took us on a journey. So a year, no, That day went on um, probably two months later. We took our house off of the market. We had a lot of explaining to do to people. I thought you were moving. I got that a lot. Uh, Like Lauren, I thought you you were supposed to have that baby. Uh, (laughs) um, All the time. I thought, well, aren't you, I thought you were supposed to move about a month ago. You're still here. And I'm like, yep, I'm still here. Um, Things changed. So we took our house off of the market. We got to a place where we were like, Lord, what, you know, I'm gonna place my trust in you because you were so certain. And whatever you say, I'll do. 
And, you know, that was the first time in my life, I can say, that I ever said, whatever you say, I'll do. Because I'm so, I'm so certain in your certainty that I have nothing else to have wishful thinking on, that I will put my trust in you and whatever you say, I will say yes. So he took me up on that. And two months later, I, John and I were both praying separately and I heard the Holy Spirit say, put your house back up on the market. So, let me just tell you a little bit about this house first of all. This was our dream house. This was the house that we had waited for all our lives. We built it just the way we wanted it. We had four acres of land. It was kind of in the woods and it was set on a hill and it was just beautiful. And um, I was willing to give that up because I felt us transitioning out. But then when that fell through and God was like, yeah, I just want you to give it up because I said. (sighs) Let me pray about it. (laughs) Think I need to pray about it, which is funny. I don't know why we always do that. But anyway, um, so, but, but I literally said, if I tell John Taylor this, he is gonna think I have lost my mind. And so unbeknownst to me though, Holy Spirit told him the exact same thing around the exact same time. So one day we were in our kitchen and I said, I gotta tell you something. You're gonna think I'm crazy. He was like, I gotta tell you something too. <laughs> okay, I think I went first, I don't remember. And uh, he, I said, God told us to sell our house. And he goes, he told me the same thing. I was like, oh, whew. I'm not the only crazy one in the family. So we said, okay. So I remember we got our kids together and, and we had to explain to them how to explain to others what it looked like to have hope in God. Because to our community, we looked crazy. But to my God, he said, fall in line with my plans because I am certain of your future. And so... We called our real estate agent back. We like, you know, we said to take it off the market, but kidding, we're gonna put it back on. So we did not have any plans of to go anywhere. We did not have a job. We just said yes. And, and I thought in my expectations, because remember, Jesus came and was an unexpected package of hope. He came in an unexpected way. And too many times we put expectations on God's promises. And God is saying, don't do that. Let me, be, let me show you what my certainty looks like. And if you'll just stay in line with me, say yes when I say yes, go right when I say go right, the end is gonna blow your mind. And so I immediately, I was like, oh God, put, yeah, we're gonna put it on our market and because we are getting a job. And we are, I mean, he's gonna supernaturally work it out where when we sell our house, we will have had the job offer and it'll work in perfect timing where we, we close on the house and then we already have another, jo- another house and it's, you know, beautiful beyond my expectations. And I just knew it was gonna be like that. So I'm like, yes, God. Okay, put our house on the market. I think it was a week. And we had two offers. I'm like, see, you are faithful. I am like rejoicing. Two offers, 
sold the house. They came in and said, I need you to be out in three weeks. Yes, I will do that. So we pack up our stuff and I'm like, God, you're faithful, right? Remember, you're the good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are. The repetitive song, yeah. And he was like, yeah, I am a good father. And just go where I tell you to go and say yes when I tell you to say yes, because I am hope, I am certain. So um, we just started praying. And it was really kind of our first time to ever step out in like a supernatural kind of radical way, like God, you know, I'll say yes. And we had been obedient all of our lives, but this like abandonment kind of thing. But really, I wish that I could say, God gave me a dream in the night. He told me to abandon everything and I did. It wasn't that, it was that my circumstances got to a point where all I could do was this. I can't do anything else. I have nothing else. So I'll say yes. And so uh, we moved to a rent house that was probably a fourth of the size of our house that we had built with my two dogs, two kids, and a husband. We had Christmas in that house. Um, We just knew, okay, so this is gonna be the place. God will transition us out. The timing will run out just right, and then we'll move on. Three or four months into it, our landlord came and said, oh, by the way, I wanna put your house up for sale. So you have about two months, then I'm gonna need you to find a different place to move. And I'm like... Yes. Yes, that's what I'll do. So found another place. So we've moved three times in one year off the heels of laying in bed saying, God, I don't know that you're a good father. Because what I'm seeing in my circumstances are not matching up to who you say that you are. And he was constantly reminding me, I'm showing you a new way of hope. I'm showing you a new way of trust. So moved to another rent house, got in that rent house. A few months later, got a phone call from a guy that lives here in San Antonio and said, John, I want you to come fly for us here. He's a pilot. I want you to come here. So John went through the process. At this point, I'm totally jaded. Like, (laughs) Like, I'm almost not excited. I am, but I'm like, hmm. Okay, pack again. So got the job and we, this was two months into it, we packed. So really we moved four times in a year and we moved to New Braunfels. And I had a choice to make through that season was I going to let the painful and embarrassing situation that I was in hold me captive? Or would I choose to believe in God's hope, the assurance of what is coming? And I think we are in a place like that oftentimes. Life is not always easy. And the word is said, it's not gonna always be easy. And so in your circumstances, with what you're facing today, Are you gonna choose to live in a place of letting God take the veil off your eyes, letting him remove the old way of thinking and step into hope that only Christ can bring? I realized um, that hope revealed 
through God's freedom. Because this word says that, that God in his loving kindness, when he removes the veil, that he brings in hope and hope brings freedom. But I realized now, let's fast forward two years later that I moved here into New, into New Braunfels. A year later, I found Sozo. A year later, I'm here. And I turn around and I look back on my journey and hope has been revealed. Because God was making a way where there was no way. God's plans for my life were so certain that he said, Natalie, don't let the circumstances cause you to go right and left. Like, trust in me. I am a good father. I am hope. I am so certain. So welcome the assurance of what is coming. Welcome the certainty that I have a plan for your life. And I think for us today, some of us are here and we need to turn around and we need to look back and see hope revealed in your life. Because God is so faithful. He has been so certain in season and out of season. He has not wavered. I wanna read to you guys, and this is in the Passion Translation, 2 Corinthians 3, 11 and two. The fading ministry, which they were referring to as the old covenant, came with a portion of glory. But now we embrace the unfading ministry of a permanent impartation, the new covenant, what Christ came to do for us. And it is a permanent impartation of glory. It doesn't go away. So then when this amazing hope living in us, we step out in freedom and boldness to speak the truth. Today, God is hope. That old way that maybe you used to do things, God, I feel like is saying, son and daughter, who you once were, it wasn't bad. But I'm gonna show you a new way. And in this new way, my glory is never going to leave. There's no condemnation, right? That's what the word says in Romans. There's no condemnation, but it's just God's love wooing us towards him saying, come close, son and daughter, you are royalty. I am the hope that never changes. And I love when it says, when we have this amazing hope, remember the exchange? There is an exchange of letting hope come in and freedom flow out. Because when freedom comes in and freedom flows out, now it says we're gonna speak in boldness. Now you're gonna be able to stand so confidently in who God created you to be that um, your identity becomes secured. Because see, when hope comes in, when you let hope into your life and you let freedom in and God begins to work in your life and, and he says, let me come in, I'm so certain. And the result of that is gonna be overflowing peace and joy and secured identity. I think a lot of us need a good dose of secured identity because God is so certain. He has a plan for your life and you don't have to worry if that plan will come true. You have to focus on him and make one checkbox, just Christ, and let him remove the veil. 
God is hope. Letting him remove your veil is freedom. And freedom produces boldness and confidence in your identity. So I want the band to come on out. And as we wrap up today, um, I was praying, God, what do you wanna do today? And I think God is saying, there are people here that have got a veil over their eyes. They've put, maybe they've put the veil back on that was once removed because circumstances got really hard and sometimes that veil might be comfortable and you think that you're safe in the veil, but really what 2 Corinthians says is that veil is actually sucking the life out of you. And God says, I'm gonna, I, I wanna remove the veil if you'll let me. So some of you all, I think it's time to say, God, here's my veil. This is what I'm wearing. It might be pride. It might be insecurity. It might be uh, living by the letter of the law, making all those check boxes because in that place you so, feel safe. For some of us, the veil might be grief. The veil might be mourning. The veil might be depression. But God wants to remove the veil today. And then the other thing that God wants to do is he wants to restore hope. And I am so excited because God is saying, I wanna remind you of my covenant with you. Because remember, God is hope and hope is certainty. It is an anticipation of welcoming what is certain. It doesn't change. You don't have to do anything. You don't do any tricks for hope to stick around. So God wants to come in and remind some of you today that his hope is certain and he wants to give you a good fresh dose of hope. Um, our, our team was praying and they felt like that some people here have got, um, are dealing with some anxiety and sleeplessness. There might be a few people here today that have even said, I think I'm going crazy. And God wants to deliver you from what you're under. God wants to deliver you from anxiety. God wants to deliver you from hopelessness. And the way he's gonna do that is he's gonna take the veil off because it says Jesus takes the veil off and when the veil is off, you don't have to live under it anymore. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And so prayer team, if you guys will come forward. I love that God loves us so much. I love that even whenever I was in my room questioning his goodness and questioning his faithfulness, and he even gave me a song that irritated me. He was like, don't worry. I love you even there. I'm gonna show you what hope really looks like. I'm gonna take you on a journey and I'm gonna reveal to you the certainty of who I am. And I can tell you today, I wouldn't have traded it for the world. Because God's certainty got me here.
So some of you guys today need to turn around and look at your history. And you need to let God show you His certainty. And you need to let Him show you His faithfulness and show you where He's been there full of hope. So you guys stand. I just want you to hold your hands out. God, I thank you that you are hope. I thank you, Lord, that you are God and God alone. I thank you, Father, that there is no other person that we have to put our hope in, but it's just you. I thank you, Lord, that you said hope is anticipation. It is welcoming of certainty. And so, Lord, I thank you that you never leave us. I thank you that you never forsake us. I thank you, Father, that hope is here with us now. And so, Lord, I pray right now that you would give every person in this room a fresh infilling of your hope. Father, I thank you that you are giving hope to those that are hopeless. Father, people that feel like they are sitting in, this, in a situation and they are saying, God, where are you? How can I put my hope in you? I am wishful thinking, but I'm not standing in hope with certainty, Lord. Remind them right now in the name of Jesus where you are. Remind them of your certainty. And so, Lord, I thank you that you are opening hearts today. I thank you that you are changing lives. I thank you that you are breaking off anxiety and sleeplessness, I thank you that you're removing the veil. In Jesus' name.